In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Catholic Toolbox, The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh, here as we equip you with practical tools to live your Catholic faith in our modern world of today. And one of the most important things, I think, on my faith journey especially was discovering the importance of Scripture, especially as a Catholic. I mean, really, a lot of Catholics think it's a Protestant thing to read Scripture or it's a more of a Protestant thing to know uh, Bible verses, but I brought here my good friend Shabal Raish. Welcome back to the show, uh, Shabal. After a while, thanks for having me, George. It's always good to be with you. That's no, great. Uh, it's always good to have you. You know, it's uh, you're a familiar face here on the Catholic Toolbox, uh, Shabal. As everybody, for those who don't know, founder of Perusia, and um, you have a very important fundraiser dinner coming up. This uh, actually, well, it just happened. Yeah, yeah, we had it uh, on Thursday. So the, fun, the fundraiser dinner just happened. That's amazing. Oh, so how'd the fundraiser dinner go? Yeah, really well. Sell out. Uh, we had a, a packed crowd. Um, thanks be to God. Um, it was a real buzz in the room. And uh, we had Ruben uh, share the message of um, freedom, the message of freedom. And he's from, he's a Mexican Catholic who, who has ancestry that lived through the persecution in Mexico in the 20s. Um, and, and so I don't know if people are familiar with uh, characters like Saint uh, Jose, um, Jose de Rio or Saint Blessed Miguel Pro. These, these famous uh, uh, characters uh, died for the faith and they, their final words on, on their lips were Viva Cristo Rey, long live Christ the King. And what we did, what was special on the night was we had a live artist uh, draw a, an image of Christ the King, the one that's in, in, in inspired by uh, Brazil, you know, that big statue in Brazil. Absolutely. Um, and he's got his arms out. And that sort of reminds us of um, Viva Cristo. That's how Blessed Miguel Pro died. He was he was shot by firing squad. And his final words were, Viva Cristo, long live Christ the King. So I'm actually wearing, can I show this off? I'm wearing a shirt that we unveiled on the night of the image. There it is. I'm standing up. It's Amazing. Viva Cristo, <laughs> and it's got the sacred heart. Uh, his wounds in his hands and the crown uh, as the king. So, um, yeah, we're very excited. We've uh, launched that and hopefully can be on the lips of many Catholics today. Long live Christ the King. May he reign in our lives today and forever. So uh, run us through the importance of the fundraiser dinner and how it helps Perusia. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, it's the first one in three years. And um, 
yeah. because of the whole uh, pandemic lockdown, we couldn't have anyone uh, come into Australia. So this is uh, an important part. As I look back to every fundraiser dinner, it allowed us to expand our mission. Um, so I remember the very first one with Tim Staples in 2015, we didn't have any full-time people. It was just myself part-time and, and we had some volunteers and, and, and casuals. And, and at the end of that fundraiser dinner, we raised enough to be able to have the confidence to, to, to hire someone. And, uh, and we had our first full-time person, Mark Griffin. And so he, he joined us later that year. Uh, full time and and every year we did a fundraiser up until 2019 and uh, and thanks be to God that the teams expanded so if you you add up all the years uh, the team expanded to I think at its height uh, 10 people um, we've now had to sort of cut back a little bit but we're down to about seven but seven people now um, however four of which are full time so uh, and and that allows us to be able to uh, reach as many souls as possible so people who are We've got full-time on videography and editing, full-time on uh, the distribution of the resources and importing them, uh, all the admin stuff and accounts and event management, social media, all of that stuff. So thanks be to God, the fundraisers help us to, you know, really scale what we're doing. And so it's not just me on my own. And, and that's why while I'm out maybe giving Bible studies or, or speaking to people, there's still things happening. I'm not the one packing the orders, you know, on my own. I, I used to be. But uh, now I've got a team of people doing all those things and, and that allows us to really uh, reach many more people. I, mean, it's, uh, I remember too, back in 2020, we were having some coffee with uh, Matthew and then we, <laughs> we went down to, I went, I, to tagged along with you to, uh, to go look at the venue for the fundraiser day and then everything came shutting down right after that. And it's yeah. like yeah. It's sort of the pickup. Uh, time you know uh, after two years later you know that it's been a successful dinner and um, thank you very much for your, for your support of the Catholic Toolbox um, we're proud to support you know um, uh, Perusia always will because of the great work that Perusia has done you know in bringing back so many souls if, if you look at the results that you've produced in how many Catholic reversions back to the faith including myself I mean it, there's, there's no doubt about getting behind Perusia and supporting Perusia Praise be to God. Thank you. And, and that is our dream, uh, that uh, we just continue the work of Christ, that we can spread the gospel, the good news to the ends of the earth through whatever means possible that, that's available to us. And it, it just really uh, confirms in our mind um, that it's working when people like yourself are starting apostolates and they're standing on their own feet. And now you're doing the work, uh, which is phenomenal. You know, people like Simon Carrington as well used to work with us. And now he's doing fire up ministries and that's expanding. Um, you know, the Catholic apparel uh, with Andre and seeing him, you know, he's come to our events in the early years and then seeing him flourish. And, you know, it's just great to see other apostolates uh, that we've just been birthed, I guess, uh, out of, out of this, uh, this time. And, and to, to know that we've had some little part to play in their, in their stories is just very, um, very encouraging. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's unity as well, because I mean, we all, Yes. find a different dimension of the faith that we can contribute to and and, and we all work for the same mission you know we're, we're all working together there's there's no sort of um it's, it's not that we're all combined or one but it's everyone doing their own thing having that personal freedom yes it's just tremendous uh but let's go straight into our topic which is scripture yes. and uh do catholics read the bible Charvel? are we supposed to read the bible or <laughs> We, we, we don't just read the Bible, we live it and pray it. And there's a lot I can unpack there. 
I'm ready to go. <laughs> so people are familiar with the Bible. They're, they're, when they come across the Bible, they think that it, you know, it, it's basically this book that we hold under our arm and we go door knocking and we have to tell people about it. And, uh, you know, so we, we, we actually attribute the Bible to, you know, and thanks for some of the Protestant Catholics out there who are always holding it, which is great. I mean, God bless them. They, they, they love the word of God. But Catholics can't be intimidated in any way or, or forget that it's, we're not playing an away game when we're talking to our Protestant Bibles. We're playing a home game because the Bible itself actually was created by Catholics and um, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, but, but we already lived it. We already prayed it and we're still praying it across the world. And people don't realize uh, just by going to church, going to mass, you are hearing more scripture than you, you possibly would know um and that's what i hope to unpack in this little show here it's absolutely amazing and can you just run us quickly through you said that the catholic church gave us scripture how exactly did the church give us scripture i know i i love to speak about this with protestants yes. straight into that but i, I want to hear that's it right yeah well that's right we, it wasn't as if uh the every christian in the early world even jesus at the time held a bible and jesus didn't go go out to all the nations and and, and get people to write bibles and get them out he said, go out and, and baptize, right? So he, he asked us to do something and we have to be witnesses, be the light of the world. So go and do something. Now, at the time, the Jews and the early Christians didn't have the, the Bible in their hand. The only way they could actually hear scriptures and at the time, Old Testament, was at the synagogues um, in the temple, hearing it, or they recite the Psalms or recite those prayers uh, on a daily basis, all through, or sitting around the campfire, the stories are told. It wasn't until really 1500s when we had the printing press that we actually held a, a copy of the Bible. Now, first of all, that copy wasn't even finalized until the fourth century. So you've got to go back uh, 1100 years before you even get to the point of the canon of the Bible. And, yeah. and then there's confusion there. A lot of people don't realize, but today, if you're looking at your Bible and you see 66 books and you think, oh yeah, I've got the Bible, the King James or, or, or New International. Well, you're missing seven. So that the actual full bible is 73 books 46 books of the old testament 27 books of the new testament and it was established it's actually put, compiled over centuries over centuries and to the to what we have today and so what were they doing in the first 400 years and that's my question um how did they read scripture well they didn't just read scripture they heard scripture and it was when they were at mass listening to those biblical stories old testament new testament um and it was right through the breaking of the bread on Sunday when they went to the liturgy and they heard the scriptures for on a regular basis. And it was Pope Damasus the first in the Council of Carthage and Hippo who finally sealed the deal and said, these are the 26 books of the New Testament, not, not the other writings, nothing more, nothing less. So you're accepting the authority of the church really, Charbel, right? By, by, by accepting scripture. It was the church that produced it by its authority. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it really is remarkable. And I've presented this to so many Protestants and, and, and they do actually agree. They actually agree that yes, the church gave us the Bible, but now we have the Bible. Often that's what I hear from my Protestant brethren, but, but it's just phenomenal. Absolutely. We, we can't take it for granted. The journey we've come to get to this point where we don't only have printed Bible. I mean, these days, look what we have uh, on these things, uh, smartphones. 
we, we can we get them in the digital format it's completely free you even get people reading the bible out to you i mean we have the bible in the year podcast father mike smiths and and that's basically an audio bible so people are reading the bible out to us and catholics still don't read it still don't give it a chance we've uh, i mean on a daily basis we've got to increase our commitment here um, we do have to uh realize that the bible is we're drenched in scripture through the mass but we need to join the dots and that's my goal is is through the studies we've been doing is to help catholics rediscover what they're actually living out and praying and joining those dots because when they go to mass on sunday they don't realize it but they're reading so much scripture um it, it's overwhelming it's overwhelming i think so yeah. and you're doing such a great job because you're running currently perusia some bible studies that i see yes. on social media um uh, I think, is that once a week or where can people go to join that? Yeah, we're, we're currently, uh, right now, I've got uh, two running, uh, one in uh, St. Joseph's Croydon um, on a Tuesday night and one at uh, Our Lady of the Rosary in St. Mary's on a Thursday night. And every school term, we rerun a new one. So I was in uh, St. Michael's Belfield last term. Yeah. Uh, next term, we're looking at some other venues and parishes, probably Western Sydney, uh, Inner West, um, and, and so that will be the live, but we also have uh, on Zoom, uh, we've been running digital ones as well for an international audience. And so they've been going well, Matthew Tague or myself, and we'll alternate and that's been great. And over the last few years, just going around parish to parish. Um, so during the lockdown, we did a lot on Zoom. We had about four or five groups um, simultaneously in the week. Um, so we always wanna have something going um, and it's great. I mean, the method that we use is the Bible timeline that Jeff Cavins produced. and. That's the method that Father Mike Smith reads the Bible in the Year podcast from. He follows that method, and uh, I think it's brilliant. It's brilliant, and I'm I'm going to unpack a bit of it in uh, today's show. Beautiful. So let's uh, let's go through why the importance of Scripture and and why, in, in your words, Charbel, uh, how just the importance of Scripture and and just how you would like to present it. You know, because I have a lot. Of and thoughts about how I'd like to I try to present it to Catholics and make it more appealing. Mm. But you know, uh, you're drenched in scripture, you know, in Bible studies. And I think I personally need to do a bit more Bible study. That's why I've taken up a reading scripture more every day in my spiritual reading, doing more a chapter each day and studying it. Uh, but let's hear it in your words. Well, um, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, um, we're going to follow who that is, Christian, after the person of Christ. Who is Christ? Christ is the word of God, the word made flesh, the word literally being when God speaks, he, he, he is a person. And so that, well, how is he speaking to us? He's been speaking to us for centuries, but how? Through the word of God, the scriptures. And he's been doing it over, since the beginning of time all the way till now. Now, we may not be in that printed format, but we're hearing the stories over and over and over again. So we're all familiar with stories like Noah's Ark, uh, Abraham and Isaac. Um, King David and Goliath, Samson, uh, you would have heard these stories, Moses, of course. Um, and so where do these stories fit? And, and what the goal is with every Bible study is to piece them together in a chronological order, because um, it can be overwhelming. You know, you read 73 books and people start January 1, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And then they get to Genesis, uh, Genesis then Exodus, and then they stop um, because it just gets overwhelming. All the names, the genealogies, uh, it's just overwhelming. Um, so I think what we have to do is step back, look at the big picture. Where is it going? Does it all fit together as, as one big story? And it actually is. It's God's love story for us. It's his story, history, salvation history. 
and um, and we're part of it. And I, I just get excited every time I talk about it because it really, the penny dropped for me uh, studying uh, theology at Notre Dame, um, doing a Christology course, and I had to dive into who the person of Christ is and how does Christ, how can he be both human and divine and why did he come and and not really understanding how did he actually, why did he die for us? Like, couldn't God just forgive us? Why did he come down? And you, you get all that through the Old Testament as you read the stories. And, and no, it wasn't that, um, why did it take 6,000 years for Jesus to come? Not because we weren't ready. Or he wasn't ready because we weren't ready. Our stubbornness, our selfishness, our, our, our inward looking, we didn't, we didn't live as though God was real in our life or Lord of our life. Hence the Ten Commandments, he had to tell us, in, in stone put they have no other gods before me because we did <laughs> we did fall into pagan worship so uh yeah we need to get back to basics go back to the the old testament stories understand what it is because the new testament is actually hidden in the old and the old is revealed in the new and this is a beautiful thought that the old and new go it's a package deal um many christians today might call themselves new testament christians well of course we all are post-resurrection we know how it ends but that does not mean you ignore the old testament for us to appreciate what happened in the new we need to understand what's going on in the old and and let's face it jesus himself talked a lot about the old testament every time he mentioned abraham or adam or noah or or david or or he talks about Jonah and the whale in the belly of the whale he talks about all these different old testament characters and if you don't know what who they are and what happened you're going to miss a lot of what Jesus himself is saying. So it's important to get the whole big picture of scripture. Do you think people often, including myself, when I've tried in the past to read the Old Testament, they often get put off from the complicated stories and they're not understanding. Once they hit Leviticus and they see all the laws, and apart from me being a liturgy geek, I enjoy the Leviticus, but other people might read that and think, okay, I don't get this or... There's other books I haven't understood, you know, different prophets in the Old Testament. What's a way that like, you can get beyond that and sort of appreciate the Old Testament? People often find the New Testament pretty simple to understand, but a lot more simpler to understand. That's why they often go that way. But how can people look at the Old Testament a bit more easily and appreciate yeah. it to get that foundation for the New Testament? Beautiful. I mean, I do remember, um, you know, I've, I've, uh, read the first time scripture really popped out of the page when I came back to church and it took about a, like months and months turning up to mass and not realizing I'm hearing the gospel I'm, I'm hearing the readings and again it's just going in one ear out the other I'm just not connected um, until one day I read the I read the Beatitudes chapter 5 of Matthew and, and Jesus is talking about uh, blessed are those who persecute you those who speak evil against you um, theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are the poor in spirit uh, you know, if someone hits you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Uh, if, if someone takes, you know, to ask you to go one mile, go an extra mile with him. Someone wants your shirt, give him everything. <laughs> give you the jacket as well. Just what don't, he, he's speaking radically. Now, how do we understand that? He, he was going above the norm. Now, what was the norm? Well, in fact, the Old Testament tells us the norm, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, was the norm. Um, to justice was the norm where you have to give what you give credit where credit's due punishment must fit the crime all these sort of things um look after yourself your family all these basic uh principles are in the old testament it's not that radical but when jesus comes he he goes a whole new level so we have to backtrack and say okay what if what if we understood that jesus was 
foreshadowed from the very beginning of time. We knew that he was coming. We knew when he would come. We knew what line of family tree he would come from. We knew where he would be born. And we'll even know the name he'll be called. All ahead of time. And it's all documented in the Old Testament. Uh, there are over 456 prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. We know his name, his family tree, his genealogy, uh, location, everything. It's beautiful. It's all in the document. So it's, it's a very exciting study when you actually dive in. And so if I can just recommend the Bible timeline, Jeff Cavins, um, or Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible is a shorter study. He has a chart he developed, and he developed it with Scott Hahn um, in the 90s, uh, early 90s. Uh, they were on EWTN um, giving a series called Our Father's Plan. Scott Hahn would sort of um, go deep into scriptures on, on those on the covenants. And, uh, and Jeff Cavins would give the overview of, of it, the Bible time. And it was black and white at the time. He would draw it on the, on the uh, whiteboard or blackboard. And, uh, and then eventually he developed it into a, a quick journey in the Bible, then a, a great adventure Bible, and then uh, Bible study, then unlocking the mystery of the Bible now, and then the Bible timeline, of course, which is a more detailed version. So what is it? What's going on? Well, he breaks the Bible up into 12 Bible periods, and I'll, I'll run through them now. The, the 12 Bible periods are, uh, the first one is early world, and, uh, and he has color-coded uh, colors that match each of the of the. Um, already, I'm get, already I'm getting a copy of that. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. He's put it in chronological order. So what's happening is when you read the Bible, you go from Genesis to Exodus, so far so good. But the moment you finish Exodus, it's not in chronological order. Yeah. So the Bible's grouped into categories, the wisdom books, historical books, prophetic books. Uh, the Pentateuch is written, you know, we know that Moses put them together. So when you read, say, Deuteronomy, and you feel like it's repetitious, hang on, I've read this in Exodus. It's because it's, if you understand, step back, read it. It's Moses's final sermon on the Mount before going into the promised land. Now, he doesn't go in the promised land, but the, the Israelites are about to go into the promised land. And he's retelling the stories of what God did for them to remind them that God has been in your life. So now that you understand that, you go back, read Deuteronomy, and ah, oh, it's, it's a sermon on his final sermon before he, he leaves them. So it, when, when you read it, you think, oh, it's just so repetitious. And I've heard this before. Well, we need to know where things fit and why they're there. Um, so what if I told you, and this is what Jeff Cavan says, outside of the 12 Bible periods, you only had to read not 73 books, only 14 books. And that's where it becomes a bit of a game changer because he highlights the 14 narrative books that you read in order. So Genesis, you go then to Exodus. You skip over Leviticus for, for now, for the first round. Yeah. Uh, I know you won't be happy. You go into Numbers and you, you then you go into first and second kings so well, first samuel second samuel first Kings, second kings you get all those stories of the kings um and then uh, of course joshua in there the promised land but then as you as you, you you get uh keep going through the old testament there's a time when so they're in the promised land then they got exiled the, the kingdom divided they lost the temple it was destroyed they're now in exile from the babylonian captivity they came back they returned they rebuilt the temple and then waited. And the Maccabees talks about um, in, during the Greek Empire um, the repurification of the temple. And then that's when uh, we come into the Roman Empire, and then Jesus comes in at that point. So what's got like seeing the whole history in order helps you uh, understand how we got to where we are. And so, like for when people think, oh, hang on, Abraham, he he actually uh, had more than one wife. What's going on? Um, well, there was no certificate of divorce until Moses came along. So then 
you start thinking, ah, all those relationships in the old, in Genesis start to make sense. They didn't have this concept of one relationship at a time. Moses says, look, it's crazy. Everyone's having multiple relations with different women. And I'll explain a little bit. Maybe I don't want to say too much. It's kind of still a lot of questions, but it's great. Um, Moses says, look, one at a time, please. <laughs> let's let you end one relationship, start another. But again, then you fast forward to Jesus. And then he says, hang on. Moses only did that because the situation you're in, the hardness of your heart. In the beginning, we go back to Adam and Eve. It wasn't so. Male and female, he created them. One uh, relationship, one woman, one man uh, forever or, or for the time till death do you part at least and um and and so we see a whole journey in from from the very beginning when god created everything good then we disobeyed god we abused our freedom and then we lost that access to him or access to eden that's closed off until the second garden in gethsemane jesus comes along and opens up the way and now we have this relationship with god but it wasn't like that the whole old testament is pointing to the messiah so should I, I mean, so 14 books is all you've got to read. I encourage you to go to um, our website, perusiamedia.com or the Bible in a Year podcast and, and, and see, you can get the chart, download the reading plan and it will tell you exactly what to read in what order. So as I said, you skip a lot of books. Um, you just want to read the narrative books. Now, once you get to the New Testament, after Maccabees, then you go to uh, Luke and Acts. You then are finished. You've done 14 books. You go back and you read the supplemental books in context of the 14. So in yeah. Genesis, the book of Job was in fact written around the time after Abraham. So when Abraham comes and these stories of Job uh, uh, are being told, it's around, around the same time. So when you listen to the Bible in the Year podcast by Father Mike Smith and you're, you're thinking, why on earth is he reading Job so early? It's because of the timeline. So it's actually deliberate. He's reading chronologically what's going on so yeah. genesis is a narrative book and job is a supplemental book so to speak and the psalms as well then you go to exodus what's in context of exodus that's when you read leviticus numbers you read um, deuteronomy all those and then you move on and so then once you're reading the next one first samuel you're now you're now hearing uh, the stories of of the first king saul and then king david king solomon um, and then you've got uh, the first Kings and second Kings. So what do you read in that? You read the Psalms. King David read, wrote the Psalms. You read Proverbs, which King Solomon wrote the Proverbs and the wisdom books, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. There's also um, the first and second Chronicles. It's written. And again, it sounds repetitious, but no, it's, re it's retelling the story from a different perspective. Yeah. So when you read first and second Chronicles, you've got to understand that that is from a, there's, the kingdom was split by then. So there was a Northern kingdom and a Southern kingdom, two Kings at the same time, which one are you following? And so the timeline chart puts it all in perspective. So, you know, ah, we're in the North. Oh no, now, now we're in the South and, and so forth. And then it keeps going. The, the prophets. Um, so you've got uh, the, as Joshua crosses the promised land, takes them into the promised land. They've actually um, uh, got the other books in context. You know, you can read, all of those ones, uh, the judges, um, Ruth, and then you can read uh, 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 what's the what's the famous one, uh, Gideon. Uh, that you, you've got the stories of those um, judges in that time period, and then there's uh, as you you just keep going at uh, the, the the exile and then the divided kingdom. There's all those other ones, Amos, Habakkuk, uh, um, 
the book of Daniel, all these ones are written after the split and after the exile. And so that there's a whole bunch of, most of the Old Testament's written in this period. Funny enough, there's more books of the Old Testament in the exile and divided kingdom time when the, after the, <laughs> the temple was destroyed than any other book. So, so you understand what's going on there and then there's the return and then, then Maccabees brings it home <laughs> before Jesus. So it is fascinating how it all is, is, um, one big story and how how things progress from one one era to the next i mean that makes a lot more sense to read it in chronological order it's it's a lot easier for most people who otherwise won't pick up scripture and they won't start from genesis and finish to the end you know i I don't know as many people just on an everyday level who've done that a lot of people have actually picked naturally without the chronological order they've picked which books they felt were easier in the old testament to read rather than doing chronological but i'll definitely be taking that up i think it's it's tremendous idea with jeff cavan's um timeline to go with the chronological order you understand it better and you still end up reading everything of the old testament absolutely you do you do and it's in context that's the beauty of it it's uh and it makes so much sense once you do it so get the overview quickly you've got the, the skeleton so to speak and now you can go and fill it out with with the other supplements that again to be specific what was that sorry the actual timeline where can people access that yeah sure so um on our website perusiamedia.com we sell the charts on their own um and it's a double-sided chart full color and with it's got all the 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 characters it's got the events the categories the books to read it's got um the bloodline of jesus so you can follow uh the whole ancestor ancestry of who jesus where Jesus came from. It's got the, um, the covenants. So with the covenants, um, very, very briefly, what are they? There's six of them. Um, and, and so it starts with Adam and Eve. Um, and so it describes how Adam and Eve were the first couple, the holy couple. And then as you zoom out, it goes to the next, uh, covenant, which is with Noah. That's the rain, the whole rainbow story. Um, Noah and his family. So it's one holy family. Then it goes out again, uh, Abraham and he had a tribe. And so that's a holy tribe. You zoom out again, and then it goes to Moses, who had established a nation, one holy nation, a country now. Uh, and then it zooms out again to the kingdom, King David, one holy kingdom. And finally, Jesus Christ, one holy Catholic and apostolic church, which means universal. So it goes from a couple, family, tribe, nation, kingdom, and then the world. And so it, this is God's work slowly unveiling over time not because he wasn't ready, it was because we weren't ready. And that's why it took so long for Jesus to come. It's interesting how God reveals himself slow, like yeah. in the time of Abraham, multiple wives, and then finally God slowly over time works with us and builds yes. up the law. He doesn't just dump it from day one, I guess. It really just shows that God is actually trying to work with us. God is actually very pastoral. You know, yes. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. So he actually, before he reveals his word, he slowly, gradually builds us up over time and talks to us and reveals himself, his truth. So it, really, when you see in that light, you know, God, God is a gentleman in a sense. Absolutely. He's guiding us, holding our hand, um, you know, like a baby. Right now, I have a nine-month-old uh, uh, baby, Alexander, and, and he can't stand up on his own feet. We have to hold his hands and we, we help him walk and he's very wobbly and you know, he's all over the place. We have, if we let him go, he's going to fall. So we have to hold his hand the whole time 
uh, and, and so eventually he'll be able to hold one hand and then eventually he'll be able to just wobble and stand and then eventually we'll be able to take a few more steps. Then he doesn't need us anymore. He's walking on his own two feet. Then he'll start running on his own two feet. Then he starts jumping on his own two feet. Then he could start riding a bike without any help. Then he could start, you know, he just keep growing and advancing. And this is what's happening spiritually. God is forming us. We're like children, spiritual, spiritual children who are not ready. We're not ready to eat uh, um, solids yet. We've got no teeth. Uh, he's giving us, you know, baby formula and then eventually uh, some solids, puree and then some meat. And so he's building us over time um, to reveal himself more and more. Because we just, it, it would be so overwhelming for us to, to have God's full divinity revealed in one hit. We're not ready. Uh, it's because of original sin, of course. We, we let that go and it was our, it was our fault, or, you know, Adam. It's abuse of freedom, Adam and Eve. And so that's, the, that's how it all begins. That's the plot of the whole Bible. And the whole Old Testament is pointing to the Savior. And thanks to God's mercy, he didn't leave us be. He didn't let, let us on our own. He actually sent, uh, he had a game plan. He sent his, his son himself to, to give up his life for us. I, I'd love to, uh, yeah, that needs to be understood um, because people don't really realize the radicalness of that. Uh, let's go and speak about, I know we spoke about scripture and how it works. Let's talk a bit about the New Testament and then scripture uh, relate in the liturgy and how much we read of it at Mass and then that practical relation uh, to understanding uh, scripture. Yeah, well, notice one thing. When you go to Mass, uh, it's not as though um, you're just reading random stories. Um, they're actually being thought out over centuries. So thanks to, uh, you know, the scripture and, and the way the liturgical season works now, you've got all the different Eastern rites. You've got the traditional mass and, and the, the annual um, cycle there. You've got in the, in the new form, uh, the three-year cycle. Scripture's everywhere. There's an Old Testament reading. There's the Psalms. There's a New Testament reading, which is, an, and then there's the gospel. The gospel, and then we stand actually for the gospel, that respect that, these are the words of Christ we are reading now. This is the time of Jesus. I love that about the Catholics where we, we, we give so much reverence to the Bible that we're not just sitting down reading it on our own. We are in a community hearing the word of God from, from the priest at the altar in, as God is his witness and all of the body of Christ together hearing what God has done for us in salvation history and then ready for the gospel. We all rise because Jesus is now speaking literally and so that respect and for, 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 for the Bible. But those, those readings are actually deliberately chosen. So when you, when you pick up the, the gospel, and you might notice, hang on, that first reading had a link. The, the epistles are linked somehow to, to the Bible. Who did this? Well, the church over centuries compiled it and knew what the story was, and they pieced together. So if, if there's a talk of Jonah and the whale, we know there's a link to then... The resurrection three days if there's a link um to abraham again it's going to have some sort of foreshadowing when jesus mentions abraham if, if there's a link to david and the kingdom then there's a there's another link to when jesus establishes a kingdom you, you start noticing that the old testament as we say is is revealed in the new and the so much sense in the liturgy when we have just the reading from the Old Testament, the reading from the New Testament, then that progression, that beautiful progression in the new rite of Mass. Um, but we have in the old rite of Mass, in the traditional Latin Mass, there's just one reading. So you don't get as much scripture done over 
let's say, a year cycle as, as you would in the new rite, which is over three years, we go practically through the whole Bible. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's the difference. But uh, I guess um, understanding that now, it, it's interesting that for centuries, we, we knew these stories, we know the stories. So, so when you're hearing them at Mass, you're not only relying on Mass to hear Scripture. It is a major part of how we heard it. But we also are retelling the stories outside. So our culture has shifted a long way. When we used to recreate, our recreation was hearing the Bible stories. It was sitting around the campfire and talking about it. It was passing on. Our tradition always is married up with uh, the culture. So when we were doing things liturgically, it was always in commemoration of the Bible in some way, shape or form. We commemorate Easter because it's, we understand through scripture what Jesus did for us. We commemorate Christmas again, going back. We commemorate Pentecost. And again, there's a whole season of it in the old rite. Um, we commemorate all these stories that come from the Bible. And if we don't know what's going on, then we're missing a lot. So yeah, the, the um, in the mass itself, in addition to the readings you hear, it's also the prayers. So the prayers are inspired. So when we say Kyrie eleison, Lord, you know, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Um, it's, it's, commemorating that us in the Psalms, when we're asking God to have mercy, it's repeated and other books of the Bible. Um, when we say, Amen, so let it be, you know, this is it. Again, this is scripture. When we did the sign of the cross, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that is again from scripture. Jesus reveals it, you know, baptize the nations in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. We, we are basically repeating scripture and all the, pr the prayers, the antiphons, the, um, the intro, you know, the introductions, uh, the... Uh, all, all of that, the Gloria, uh, what's going on, the creed. The creed, by the way, is basically salvation history in a miniature form. Think about it. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That's back in Genesis. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. That's the Jesus becoming. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father. Like what's going on is it's, it's telling us the truths revealed to us in Scripture in miniature and so all the readings are tied in um so when you go to mass take note old and new right doesn't matter um you will know that the prayers in mass are also linked to the prayers read to you during the liturgy of the word and notice even the eucharistic prayers oh my goodness the eucharistic prayers are we serious the eucharistic prayers are tying in to all those great, great christians who lived before us who died for the faith the canon uh when you read it, it's all tied back into what's going on uh, in, in the and what God did for us and Jesus did for us. I mean, it's it's, it's just remarkable in the new right. It's it's very impressive how over three years we do get the whole scripture. But mm -hmm. how practical is it? Do you think, Charbel? Are, are we getting something out of it? In your opinion, uh, in the reforms of the council, in, in increasing the lectionary over three years, a three-year cycle to get the full Bible read, are we get from, from empirical evidence or data or experience that you may have come across, are we getting much out of it as Catholics in the sense of understanding more scripture or we know the Bible better by, by getting more yeah. readings in? The more, the more, what's funny in the last 50 years, the more accessible the Bible's become, the more uh, Christians and Catholics have taken it for granted. So right now, let's start from the most extreme. We have no excuse now to get through the whole Bible. We've got people reading it for us right here in our fingertips right now. 
but we still don't do it. Um, we've, we go to mass and we're hearing all the words, we can go to mass, but we still don't get it. Uh, so it's, it, the more accessible you make it, it's, it's not about access or just the more you say it, the more you read it, you're gonna get it. We need to think outside. So the liturgy is one thing and that's the liturgy of the word in Eucharist. And we need to understand that. And when we in mass, we need to apply what we learn in the liturgy of the word when we're reading, but we should be doing self-study outside of the mass. So the mass, we, we throw all our eggs in that one basket and, and it's a package deal. We've got to be studying about what's going on at the mass, outside of the mass. So then when we come to mass, we know what we're doing. We're not just turning up and, 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 and watching the seconds go by. We are actually already um, sort of tuned in. We know the stories, we know the, the, the characters. And when we hear it, we know what's going on. But even all then, we know that the very actions in the mass, even all that's biblical. So the Old Testament sacrifices of the Jewish uh, priests in the temple, you know, faith. Remember this, you know, in the Old Testament, you would take your lamb, your unspotted lamb, to the temple, your best one, carrying it on your shoulders all the way up to the temple walls. And then you give to the high priest your best offering. That priest takes the lamb, sacrifices it on your behalf, and then you don't even know what's going on. Like you're waiting. He's doing all the, all the actions happening on the inside. You're on the outside. Then the priest will come out once it's all done and say, your sacrifice is, is, is being offered. And then you're like, okay, and, and you, you know it's done. We didn't have this idea of um, constantly needing to know every little second what's going on. There was a time of, I'm trusting that it's up to God. He's taking care of it. Uh, the priest is, is representing me right now and, and I'm making my offering. And remember, this is a lot of people forget there's 24 hours in the day and we seem to be stuck on how much we can pack into that one hour every Sunday. And what like it's as if like that's the only hour you're giving God. If that's the only hour, then I get it. You're, you're sort of putting all your eggs in that basket. Take a breath. That's the one hour we are worshiping God. Outside of that, you should be doing other. You should be reading the Bible. You should be doing all these other studies outside of the mass. Um, and I think we have forgotten that we seem to be living so busy lives and, and filled with noise that we think that our one shot at it every week is, is the one hour we get at mass as powerful as that is. If we don't actually understand it, we're going to miss a lot of what's going on. We, Therefore it's not working. Are we doing justice? Let's say as Catholics, you know, maybe pastorally involved in different areas. Are we doing justice by packing more in for those people in the name of being pastoral? I don't think so. I think it's um, it's it's not only watering down the the um, the awesomeness of what's going on at mass, and I mean awesomeness. The word in itself is is a powerful word. The awesomeness of God, God coming down on that altar by the words of Jesus uh, through the priest, and we get to witness that that miracle, and it's all done all in unity with the church and both triumphant suffering. I mean. Um, militant on earth, the whole church is worshipping, angels and saints um, all at once we get to tap into that um, but if we have so much noise going on so much uh, distraction um, we, we sort of rely on, oh look what, look what Betty's wearing today or look what you know, John's doing oh he didn't read the scriptures very well today did he? And, and our comments are on humans behaviour in mass and not the actual mass itself, we've missed the whole chunk of the reality of what's going on we should be focused on the reality and we can't keep distracting ourselves let's keep it as pure as possible 
Um, the mass is the one chance we get to worship God. Let's make it reverent. Let's make it um, have some silence in it. Uh, you know, please let people at least hear the voice of God. We, we miss that um, today with all the noise and, and we just keep adding more and more noise. Um, and that's why it's, it's a danger to us where we think we've got to entertain each other in the mass when we don't. We, in fact, have to invite people to the reality of what's going on. And that happens not in the little seven-minute homily that Father gives. It happens in the ongoing faith formation in the daily lives of, of, of our people through the families and through the teachers. And we've got to do that outside of the mass. The, 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 the homily isn't a way to form people. It's, it's a little way, absolutely, and comment on the, the gospel of the day, but it's not, it's not there to give our full religious education. We've got to do that outside the mass. It's as if Shabbat were trying to maybe perhaps deceive ourselves by thinking, you know, like, unless we entertain people in this one hour, we pack in so much readings and uh, entertainment. You know, if we don't do it in this hour, we, we've lost everyone forever. Well, yeah. How, it's, uh, really, we're not here to point things, but how, if someone can't give more than an hour and their faith hinges on just going to Mass and being entertained, then have we already lost to begin with, you know, that, that person's soul? Rather, we should be stepping back and giving that formation um, outside the mass and helping someone to fall in love with God. But that's right. What are some three, let's go do the three practical tools. And I, I'm really excited to hear this from you uh, is how can we as Catholics better appreciate scripture, uh, better appreciate scripture and, and start to read and go through entire scripture. I think it's a reasonable goal to say every Catholic should at least once in their life minimum have read scripture and the Bible, we're regularly reading scripture. How can we immerse ourselves in scripture and love scripture? What are some three practical ways to take action now for Catholics? Because it starts now, really. Because once yeah, you hear the truth here on this um, show or anywhere you hear it, you know, obliged to take action, you know, and go out and, and start building our relationship with God more and more through scripture. So, in light of us, Charvel, I'm really excited. Sure. Um... All of it, all of this works in the idea that God is talking to us in his word. So with that setting mind, that's your foundation. You want to hear God's voice? Read scripture. You're hearing his voice. So, so step one, understand what you're actually doing. You, you, are, you are entering into a relationship with your creator. Your creator is speaking to you and he's speaking to you through the biblical stories of the Old Testament, through the characters of the Old Testament, through the examples, the mistakes, and then the way God works through them. And all of that's repeating itself all the way up to the new. So first and foremost, know, step one, that this is a relationship between creation and the creator. We are creation. We are the children of God. And we are getting to know God, our, our father, the creator of the universe. So we want to deepen our relationship with him. So get that before anything else. That's the goal is to deepen our relationship and communicate with God. Uh, no relationship um, is successful without communication. And the way it's got to be a two-way street. It can't be us talking to God all the time. We've got to stop, listen, let him talk to us. And the scripture is doing that. So that's step one. Understand that. Step two is get the context. So I, I highly recommend, look, right now, if anyone can go and Google Bible New Year podcast, listen to Father Mike Smith's and listen to those little segments with Jeff Cavins as they give context of it. Um, grab a timeline um, from us at, web, at the website or online. You can see them digitally, ascensionpress.perusiamedia.com. Uh, the timeline chart, this is your step two. Look at the context. Understand what 14 books you need to read to get the narrative um, overview. Once you've got that, 
actually go ahead and read the 14 books. Step three is now see the connection. Go and read the supplemental books in context of the 14, but then start hearing commentaries. Get other resources supplementing it. Scott Hahn, Dr. Brant Petrie, Dr. Michael Barber, Dr. Edward Shree, Deacon Howard Burke Sivers, all these podcasts. Get these for this formation. Now that you've got the structure of the Bible, go and get commentaries on them. And, and, and in that process, link it to your spiritual life at mass. And so understand where the mass fits in or understand how it fits in the mass. It's a two-way street again. The mass, I would argue, is also hidden in the scriptures, but the scriptures are also revealed in the mass. So it's so interesting. The mass is a way of us living it. And Scott Hahn told me this it was interesting. The two pillars of our faith, when we come bound down to it, we can apply the Bible and our faith, everything down to two practical things. And it's the word of God and it's the Eucharist. And where do you get that? In the mass. So go to mass and understand what's going on. So you, you need to read it, liturgy of the word, and then liturgy of the Eucharist makes it, gives you the power to go and live what you learn. So I hope that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, you know, make sure you know what you're reading. In, it's a relationship with God. Get the overview of scripture, the timeline chart, and, and hear commentators, hear the Bible, actually read those. And, and three, apply all that in the mass and, you know, and get some commentary around it, but apply it at the mass. So it, it really is a pillar to our faith. I really love how you bring the mass into it with scripture. It just shows that unity. There is no disunity between scripture and the mass. It's, it's for scripture uh, or the mass inextricable completely. But I love the second practical tool here where you say go and uh, get the timeline, uh, start reading it. Let's zoom into that. So if I'm someone today, oh, I'm a Catholic, haven't read the Bible, read bits and pieces. I think a lot of people are in that position. They're not much of a reader, let's say. Uh, mm -hmm. what, what are other options that they can do? We have all the resources. We've got smartphones. We have, um, we, we have podcasts. What are some other ways if people aren't readers, much of readers, how can they listen to it in another way that suits them? Yeah, I mean, there are, audio, there are Bible studies. I mean, get to know Bible studies if you want to see that. Um, St. Paul Center for Biblical Studies, um, Augustine Institute, Formed, all these great platforms. Again, Perusia Media is trying to connect all these together. So get, go to the website. But, um, you know, I, I can't go past this dramatized Bibles. There's all these other ones, you know. People watch that um, the different uh, series. You know, you can watch movies of Jesus. You can even reading children's stuff is doing it but the get the context the bible new podcast i highly recommend father mike smith it's completely free and he's reading it according to this formula so if i was to invite people now follow that 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 podcast is brilliant wow. and that reads it bible new podcast it's free and it's accessible right now okay excellent and beautiful and for those who don't have physical copies of scripture you know you can just download apps like laudate um mm -hmm. Uh, are there any, any other great apps that we could download that have uh, scripture? EWTN has its own app. Uh, and in that has the Bible, the RSV Bible. And uh, and then there is the option of downloading um, the audio version to that or, or the Truth and Bible, Truth and Life Bible app is another great one where it's got uh, the New Testament is dramatized. So they've got actors playing out each. So it's very, it's very engaging when you're listening to it. Um, so I highly recommend that the Truth, the Truth and Life Bible app um, also in the EWTN app as well. And so you can add that audio uh, ability as it's reading scripture, you're hearing the characters 
um, with sound effects and it really comes to life. So there's really no excuse anymore. I think anyone, whether they, they want to read scripture slowly in that format with the chart, whether they're not much of a reader, they can listen to the audio. It's all done for you. Bible in a year. Uh, you, there's animations that you can watch. There's Bible studies. If you don't feel confident reading scripture on your own, there's plenty of Bible, Catholic Bible studies, uh, which you can look up, ask your parish priest, or if you're here in Sydney, you can actually join, uh, follow Perusia and find out where their Bible studies are. Um, if you can't get to one, there's always virtual ones. So there's every avenue for us to read scripture. I think we've been... Amen. That's right. And I think, thank you very much, Charbel, for being with me here. It's always a great pleasure to have you. And um, I'm fired up to push forward with scripture this year and get through it. I know I'm trying to push through it more and more and appreciate scripture more and more myself. And I hope our listeners today will take action now with the tools that you've given, given us. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. I want to invite everyone. I mean, join us. There's still a few days left of uh, the tour with Ruben Kazada. He's out talking about religious freedom and we'll be promoting charts. If you are in Sydney, come down, go to our website and you'll see, um, you know, I'm wearing the shirt again, Viva Cristo Rey, which is long live Christ the King. And may we know that, uh, let's get to know this King. Let him reign in our hearts. And uh, let, the only way that's going to happen, let's let's plug into what's on offer out there. And so visit us at the website, perusiamedia.com. Uh, yeah, send us a, a line, drop us a line and uh, email us and we'll, we'll love to connect with anyone, uh, anyone viewing here. Definitely. And don't miss Ruben. He's still in town here. Uh, right. So go to com. look at the schedule and don't miss this. You know, he's here in Australia for a limited amount of time and Perusia puts in a great amount of effort. Charbel puts a great amount of effort to bring these speakers in. Don't miss out. Uh, and hopefully I'll see you there, Charbel. Uh, you'll see me Absolutely. in the last uh, day. So, uh, thank you, George. God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you too. And thank you for tuning in to the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manassa. Until next week, God bless, take care and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.